0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com.
1: Senator Menendez has legal <laughs> problems, but he got charged. He actually went to trial um, and they weren't able to convict him. And you're going to get the same opportunity.
2: Um, Democrats are the only people in America who beat the DOJ. It's incredible. Every time a Democrat goes to trial well, on anything... True. That's, that's not true. Show me, tell me what, one what, what, Republican what? who's
1: fought off a criminal indictment what, from the DOJ. Well, I'll tell you one who, the Democrat, Andrew Gillum. Uh, There's fine. You no, know, no, that's fine. Cool. But I, I'm asking you, show me one right. Republican that's. We're out of time. Congressman George Santos, thank you very thank much you so for coming much. in. I thank really you for appreciate, me, it. I appreciate it. having Appreciate it, Dan. Banfield starts now.
0: everybody, and welcome to Thursday. It's Friday Eve, the way I like to look at it, and I have some big, bad breaking news for you. Uh, I didn't think we were going to hear more about Dennis Rader after last night's big interview with his daughter, but all of a sudden, a lot more chips are falling, a lot more details. Uh, Turns out the big dig that they were doing, the officials uh, digging up his property where he used to live before he went to the, uh, you know, pokey 20 years ago, turns out they found things. Lots of things, things that would be used to bind victims, personal effects. This is astounding, given the fact that they're now just finding these items that might, just might, be linked to new victims. He went away for 10 victims, but might this dig yield evidence that could actually let people know what happened to their missing girls. There's a lot of information. This actually, uh, the, the material that they dug up, it came from a dig in April that we knew nothing about. Last night we were talking about a dig this week. But there was a dig in April where they actually found knotted-up pantyhose, which was a typical device that Dennis Rader used to use to tie up and torture his victims. So this is pretty astounding. Tonight we've got the sheriff That was actually behind this investigation and this dig and a detective from another case working with the sheriff, believing maybe just maybe um, it might be her case. So there's a lot of linking going on now to new cases to Dennis Rader, who's better known as BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. Serial killer. All right, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Also, that astounding video that we brought you last night, the woman who was discovered by police chained at the neck inside a home, um, and it was bolted to the floor. She was able to kick out a window and warn police and scream for help. And this was what police came through uh, in the second-floor window when they came to rescue her. It is just harrowing video, padlocked at the neck, bolted, down to the floor on a chain. Now we have all the details. Uh, Who is she? Who was he? Who did they arrest? What are the circumstances? How long was she there? What did he do to her beforehand? And here's a hint. It involved a machete. There's a lot of information, including a one-year-old baby involved and what happened to her in the bathroom when she was giving birth to that baby and needed help. And what he did. Okay, so unbelievable story coming up with that. And then uh, body cam I never thought I'd see. Uh, it's It's the most calm, polite murder arrest at a million-dollar home. You have been following along with us the murder of Jared Bridegan, the Microsoft executive, who was driving with his two-year-old in the back seat. And there was a tire on the road, so he got out to move it. And a man jumped out ambushed him, shot him dead. They found the man, and it turned out the man had connections to Jared Bridegan's ex-wife. It was a guy who was renting a property from that ex-wife's new husband. I know that's a tough chain to follow, but what I want to tell you about tonight is they've arrested her. And the body cam of the arrest up in Washington State, where she fled Florida, it's just sort of mesmerizing because you don't often see a murder arrest at a million dollar home with a, a mom sitting crying as her daughter's being walked out with cuffs in like jam, jammies because it was early and the kids are behind her saying, Mom, do you need your jeans? The whole thing is so bizarre. We just had to let you watch it raw. That is coming in just a moment. But the big, the big news on this one, guys, is that they're going to ask for the death penalty for her. So this is huge. And her husband, her current husband, because they say, the prosecutors say, This was a whole conspiracy to murder Jared Bridegan over custody issues. They shared twins. All right, so let's start uh, with Dennis Rader and the Oklahoma officials who dug up in Kansas at his former home before he went away 20 years ago for 10 murders as the BTK serial killer. So tips led to this dig. The dig led to actual items, but not this week's dig. I dig in April. The items of interest, as they call them, were personal items and binding type items. But it's the way they were buried. This wasn't an accidental, it just got covered over. Maybe it's just garbage left behind. No, meticulously buried, carefully buried, 12 or 14 to 16 inches underground but protected, a nice brick on the bottom, special sand to displace the dirt and little shingles over top to make sure that those personal items were protected from the rain and the elements and the water seeping through the ground. Really astounding stuff. The word is that whoever did this burying, and the the thinking is it's Dennis Rader, really took care, did a very special job to make sure that those things were carefully, carefully protected. Um, also, the pantyhose with knots in them, something that Raider was known to have used in other victims' murders and tortures, those were buried beside the edge of a concrete sidewalk with glass next to them. Very odd. I'm going to ask the sheriff in a moment about that. Um, the other items of interest were actually buried Under a giant slab of concrete, the officials had to remove the concrete where the shed used to be and dig underneath, and that's where they found these other items. So these things are now being examined. Clearly, it will be uh, an effort to find out if there's a DNA match because one of the people that they think um, may actually be connected to these items is a, a young girl who was 16 years old, a cheerleader named Cynthia Dawn Kinney. She used to live in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. And uh, her parents had a laundromat. And the laundromat was the last place that Cindy, as they called her, was seen before she left uh, the laundromat in June of 1976 and got into a 1965 faded beige Plymouth. Those are the details that they knew about her disappearance. Raider has denied that he has anything to do with this, right? Nah, not me. You got the wrong person. But Raider wrote a whole lot of things. Uh, as he was writing a book before he was arrested. And some of the notes in that book might pertain to Cynthia, Cindy. Here's why. And I spoke with his daughter again this morning to clarify some of the codes that were used. One of the codes he used in his writings was C9HIT. And Carrie told me that that means confirmed hit. So confirmed ninth hit. And then PJ, bad wash day. Uh, Carrie told me that PJ stands for project, and that his murders all were projects. So if you put that together, confirmed hit, confirmed ninth hit, Project Bad Wash Day. And it was right at the same time where um, Cindy Kinney disappeared in 1976. So... Pretty astounding. Um, I want to bring in the sheriff who was behind this dig today and April as well. Uh, His name is uh, Eddie Verdon. He is the Osage County, Oklahoma sheriff, kind enough to uh, join us. Sheriff, I read a quote from you, and it was that Rader is 100%, in my opinion, the guy. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you think that and what you found in the dig?
3: Well, number one, uh, the very first time that I got to speak to Mr. Rader He uh, told me that he had a fantasy to abduct a girl from a laundromat, and he told me how he would have committed that if he ever got the chance. And that was without him having any information about my case. So, you know, beginning that, that, that's what started the uh, investigation that led to where we are today.
0: Are you able to show me any of the items that you were able to retrieve from underneath those concrete slabs and then also out near the sidewalk in the two locations I can, that you dug up?
3: I can show you the pantyhose that we found back in April. Uh, so these are them, and you can still see where, where they're knotted, where they appear to have been around probably somebody's wrist.
0: Can you lift those up again? I've just taken down the banner that was over top of your hands while you were showing them. So if you could just show them to the camera. This is the, the set of pantyhose that had the knots in them?
3: Yes. You can still see the knots in them and, you know, where they would have been bound, possibly around somebody's wrist. And you can see it's a, it's a fairly small possibly.
0: Area. A wrist or maybe ankles as well. I seem to recall a a description that it might be um, a ligature for ankles or wrists. Is that how you feel?
3: That that definitely they were were probably used for that.
0: So what were the personal effects that you found buried?
3: Well, right now we can't reveal what those items are. Uh, We possibly can in the future, but right now we're wanting to keep that uh, unknown.
0: Without being specific, and I fully respect um, why you have to do that, why you've got to keep that close to the vest, but without being specific about what the items were, can you characterize the items for me a little more clearly
3: well there there would have been additional items that could have been used uh, one in particular for restraints, uh, you know other other uh, personal types of items that, that somebody would have possibly used in a hobby, uh, possibly some jewelry. Um, so, some different uh, objects that, that we know that he used in, in different things.
0: And were these personal items for um, women or young girls who might be a 16-year-old cheerleader?
3: Uh, you know, there, there would have been some items that would have been definitely for, for younger uh, type people. And then there was also additional things that I would consider probably for for an older victim.
0: For an older one as well. Do these items comport um, with the investigation into Cynthia Kinney?
3: Um, You know, I I can't say that these items will specifically go uh, to to Cindy Kinney, but I I do absolutely know that that they will tie back to some case that he was involved with. You know, of course, we developed that. Information of where this was from a letter that that uh, Dennis had uh, created and and had sent to another person outside of law enforcement.
0: Can I ask you about the the um, writings that Dennis Rader, um, you know, had etched out for a book prior to being arrested? His his uh, daughter Carrie Rawson, told me that C nine means confirmed hit. Um, C9 hit means confirmed hit, and PJ means project. So Project Bad Wash Day uh, certainly would match up with, you know, Cindy going missing from her parents' laundromat.
3: Absolutely, and it goes even a little further than that because he's got it dated in 1976. Uh, He's got it noted as Project Bad Wash Day, and then he's got it noted uh, as Chapter 9, which we know is a, a confirmed hit. You know, his other, his other murders are, are also listed the same way. Uh, of course, besides those items, we, we found a lot of other information that we feel like relates to our case, and, and not just our case, but several other cases.
0: Can you tell me about the way these things were buried? I gave a, a rough outline. But do you have more details about the methodology and what it was, what it looked like when you, you know, when you hit upon these items?
3: You know, absolutely. When, when you removed the concrete, of course, all the dirt appeared to be the same. And then, and then with, with probing first and then, then slow excavation, we, we started running into composition shingles like you would put on a house. And, and as we, got below that area, we started uh, in one area coming into pebbles, uh, which would be the kind like you could buy that would come, you know, in a bag from, from a retail store. And as we shifted down through, through that, then we started discovering the other items, uh, you know, some broken glass. Uh, we, we were expecting to find uh, possibly a glass jar. And of course, with all the construction and the dirt removal for the concrete, that, that could have crushed those items. And, and then as we continued down and, and found items and, and sifted through the area, uh, at, at, at the very bottom of the hole, there was a brick that had been placed like a foundation or a bottom to that. And it appeared that uh, when when the hole was created, somebody had used the same composition type shingle to, to encase that uh you know to keep keep the outside dirt from coming into those items and then
0: the uh I know secondary one um, sorry sheriff i was just going to ask you i know there was one reference that raider made to putting driver's licenses in a glass jar to a you know a, a fan god forbid there's fans out there like but there was one did you find any driver's licenses
3: we we did not. We found glass that uh, you know we 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 felt what what the letter said. These items were exactly where where the letter described they would be. Uh, you know, in, in that letter, he described he had that portable shed, and then he had placed uh, concrete uh, pavers over the over the top of the dirt to have basically a concrete floor in that. So in a letter he described that he had removed one of those concrete blocks had created uh, you know a barrel spot for these items, had these items hidden there, and they had never been found and Of course you know unfortunately that that letter was uh, put out in I believe two thousand and eight so we have no idea whether anyone else could have could have went and buried removed something from that location. But when when we discovered that ladder we got with Park City, went up the first time in April and we, we dug on the outside of that concrete and and during uh, that dig located the pantyhose, which you know, made us even more want to uh, to, to remove that concrete to have access in the hopes that we'd find additional driver's license. Because in in, in his writings in the books he was creating uh, there there's two different cases where he said he was going to release the information to police on that murder like he did on several others one he was going to release in in april of uh, 2005 and the other one i believe he was going to release that information possibly in november 2005 but of course he was arrested before uh, he had the opportunity to, to finish those so you know those are, are things that to continue
0: to engage and sure. into. I'll tell you what, um, as you continue the process of testing these items, I'd like to stay in touch with you when you get the results back. Um, we'd like to stay on the story and uh, hopefully bring some resolution, if not to Cindy Kinney's family, to someone else's family. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. I really appreciate um, the information that you've given us tonight.
3: You bet. Thank you.
0: Uh, Sheriff Eddie Verdon, really phenomenal information there. Uh, Some breaking news that we can tell you. Some uh, hobby materials were found, uh, jewelry, other restraints, um, items pertaining to younger victim perhaps, and items pertaining to an older victim uh, found, as well as broken glass and a retail bag. Just Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I want to uh, bring in, if I can, uh, Lori Howard. Um, Lori Howard has uh, been working on a different case. She is a detective in McDonald County with the Sheriff's Department. She's been working a case pertaining to um, a young woman named Shauna Garber. Um, Lori, can you hear me okay? I can. Lori, thank you so much for for joining me tonight. You probably just heard the interview that um, I did with uh, Sheriff uh, Burden, uh, Eddie Burden. Just such a a fascinating trove of um, material that they came across in the April dig and then, of course, the the most recent dig. Is there anything that gives you hope from what they did uh, in this most recent dig or even in the April dig um, that might help you solve the case uh, of Shauna Garber?
4: Oh, absolutely. Anything that's found. Is, is hope uh, with technology being what it is, um, anything that is recovered that is new that can add to the case uh, because cold cases are just that they sit for a long period of time, and then you know weeks, months, years later, you find something like this in a dig, and it can change everything
0: so Lori, th- this is hard to to say, but it 's important because it 's part of uh, shauna garber 's case. She was held. Um, for weeks, I believe, and I think I read that she had been hogtied. six different bindings were used on her, nylon cord, rope, cable, tree rope, um, and that she was also tortured. Uh, you've spent three hours talking to Dennis Rader. Did you find him to be cooperative, or was he difficult, like he's been with his daughter and the investigators?
4: I found him to be very cooperative, um, I, I understand that that's not necessarily the case with everyone, but with me, I ask a question, he answered it. Now, was it truthful? You know, that is the million dollar question with him. But if I offered up something, he gave me an answer. Um, he never held anything back. He, um, actively participated, uh, for the whole, whole interview, um, which again, like you said, was lengthy and, um, acted as if he was waiting and willing to give anything that I might ask of him.
0: One last question, and that was about the, um, the, the pantyhose that the sheriff just showed us with the knots in them. He was known to use pantyhose to restrain his victims. Do you think it's possible that the pantyhose that they've just recovered in the dig might actually have been used to restrain Shawna Garber?
4: I do not believe that it would have been restrained, uh, that Shauna would have been restrained with those. However, I do believe that it's potentially another victim. Um, I think that there's more out there. I would like to see this case and my case, Sheriff Burden's case, and any other case solved. And I think this is absolutely the way to do it. So do I think that it belongs to Shauna? Probably not, just because she was bound with six different types of bindings. And they're very specific, and I don't believe that there was ever a nylon pantyhose type of binding used on her in any way.
0: Uh, Detective Howard, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us tonight during this breaking news. Um, we'll continue to, to stay in touch with you regarding the developments in your case as well. And and hopefully some of that testing and those items will help you solve um, that case as well for the Garber family. Thank you for being here.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Just astounding to see after all these years, I thought we were done with BTK once they sentenced him and put him away. I never thought for a moment that we'd be having, uh, you know, new developments, potential new victims and new trophies. It's just so distressing to think how the mind of a serial killer works and what they leave behind. We'll follow this story for you. I also want to bring you up to date on that incredible story from last night. The woman who was discovered chained at the neck, bolted to the floor. She kicked out a window and screamed for help. And the neighbors called the police. They couldn't get in the house because it was barricaded everywhere, except they could climb to that second floor window that she'd broken. And that's how they rescued her. Now the whole story is being told. Who did they arrest? What happened to her in that room? How long had she been in that chain? And what did he do to her beforehand? Once again, one of the more disturbing story uh, parts of the story is that it involved a machete. Take a look at this quick clip if you didn't see last night's program. <laughs> so upsetting. As she's being rescued, she's actually apologizing to the police for having to rescue her. Details about what led up to this and what the charges are against the man they say did it. You'll also see a picture of him. I wonder what's in store for him. Well, the video is something you never can unsee, and you never can forget it when you see it. A woman being rescued by police from a second story window after she kicked the glass out and screamed for help. Um, she was chained at the neck. She was shaking. Her voice was absolutely terrified, and she was padlocked to the floor. Let me run the clip for you so you can see it for yourself. Take a look. And- He did
5: what? Is he Hispanic?
0: Yeah, he
2: I'm sorry, sir. I know he's got it on his feet. <laughs> he's
6: got it on his feet.
2: coming up as
5: But there's no one else in here, right? No,
6: you can just... on
2: 537 There we go. Thank you
0: That was uh, Jonna Wilson being rescued. Here she is out on the front porch. They're using the bolt cutters to uh, get the padlock off of her neck. Um, Astounding. An absolutely astounding rescue. Now we know the details uh, a little bit more what happened prior. So the man they arrested is an ex-boyfriend of hers. She had moved out. He'd been quite abusive in their relationship. Surprise. Um, She had uh, a child a year ago with this man, but went into labor unknowing, really premature, in the bathroom in their home. And Moises May, that's him right there, uh Moises May, he wouldn't help her. He wouldn't help her deliver, he wouldn't call nine one one, and he wouldn't allow her to get a phone. So the cord was wrapped around the baby's neck and it took over twenty minutes for the paramedics to eventually arrive. Baby's okay, one years old. She moves out. Four days later, he sees her and asks her to come and clean the house. Don't ask me why she did, but she did. And that's when she was chained at the neck, stripped naked, beaten, and chained at the floor. She was only like that for a couple of hours, about four hours or so. So thank God. But he left saying, I'm going to a store and when I come back, I'm going to kill you. Prior to that, he'd taken a machete to her um, hair, which was a uh, length all the way down her back. So you can see her hair is much shorter now. Um, prior to who asked asking her to strip naked so he could lock her with a padlock and then eventually kill her. So <clears throat> Moises May eventually came home, and that's when they grabbed him. And they charged him with kidnapping, wanton endangerment, assault, terroristic threats, and harassment. I wonder if that covers it. Robin Dreek is a retired FBI special agent who specializes in human behavior analysis. And Robin, human behavior analysis is, I think, what I need most right now. But before I get to that, I'm going to ask you this. Do those charges even cover it?
1: I've researched this a lot today, Ashley, because it's really important. Luckily... If they do a good job on this kidnapping charge and they get it up to a a class A felony, it's 50 to life in Kentucky. And the conditions that she was in, I think they got a good shot at it. So he'll be going away for a long time. And it's really important, too, because when you're dealing with and I also got a caveat, I'm not a licensed clinician. He hasn't been tested. So we're going to use the word narcissist without testing. But at the same time, narcissism to this level can't be cured. It can only be treated. And so there is no healing this, and that's only if he wants it in the prison system. So I'm hopeful that he's going to go away for a very, very long time, if not the rest of his life on this one.
0: Okay, so here is um, Jonna Wilson recalling uh, how she thought she was going to die because he was leaving to take equipment back to Lowe's, pre- presumably equipment he used to make the house into a complete prison. Police could not access anywhere except for going up into. Th- through that second floor window um she thought she was going to die this is Jana wilson in her own words take a listen
4: listen this is my only time if i don't get free now i'm not i'm not gonna be dead <laughs> So I got close enough to the window to kick it out and call for help. As soon as he locked that lock, I knew it was over. He took my phone. Every door was screwed shut. The the fire departments couldn't even knock down the doors. That's how bad they were screwed. Every window he's got bolted. Every, Every
3: exit, there's no exit in the house.
0: Robin, prior to that happening, and this may not seem like much, but I think you'll have insight here. He used a machete to cut off her hair, which was all the way down uh, her back, apparently. And he also set fire and burned all of her clothing. So as a human uh, behavior analyst, what does that tell you about the jump to padlocking her and chaining her to the floor and threatening to kill her?
1: It's interesting you use the word jump. When The few things that struck me right off the bat was her words i'm sorry sir as soon as i heard i'm sorry sir this is someone who's been trained to think she's wrong and that's when the whole trauma bonding really struck me this woman this is not the first time this has happened this isn't this individual this horrible predator going from zero to a hundred i mean look at this house the way it was boarded up the chain this has gone on before he crossed the line luckily in this instant though he went from in imposing fear on her to mortal danger which triggered her to take a different action in her life which saved her life and saved her child's life most likely eventually too so those are the behaviors i saw in this that really struck me this individual has done this repeatedly in his life this was not a house that all of a sudden okay i'm going to set up a chain today you could you saw that place it was done a lot before if not just to her to others as well so hopefully maybe even more victims are going to come forward on this one maybe
0: I'm so glad that she's okay, and she's getting help mm-hmm. from um, shelters, uh, battered women's shelters now, to try to get just start her life again and get clothing. She had nothing but what she was rescued with. Robin Dreek, thank you. Thank you so much for um, helping me sort of sort through this one. Very difficult.
1: No, It is, Ashley. Thank you.
0: I always love having Robin Dreek on. Okay, so this next story, we kind of all thought this was going to happen. We weren't sure if it was going to happen, but we thought it was going to happen. An arrest in the murder of that Microsoft executive because the whisper rumors were getting louder that the ex-wife was going to get arrested. Right. And guess what? She did. But what I'm about to show you after the break is the body cam of the arrest, because it is not every day that you see a woman in a million dollar home with her mother crying at the front door and police showing up to cuff you and take you to jail for murder, and then suggest you should get the death penalty for it. That is the reality for this woman, and you are about to see how it all went down next. If you ever wonder what it looks like when someone's arrested at a million-dollar home for murder in front of their own mom and their kids, uh, you're in for a treat. Uh, this is a serious story. The Microsoft executive who was murdered, Jared Brightigan, uh they were sort of doing a jump from uh, the, the shooter to the orchestrator to the ex-wife. And the allegation is that, that she's part of the conspiracy. So they raided her home in the morning, 9 a.m. She's still in her jammies. Uh, she needs to get her jeans. You're about to see the body cam. And here are a couple of things. It's her mother sitting outside on the stoop crying. Okay, and then it's her kids you can hear in the background, her twins, twelve-year-old twins. Uh, presumably, that's the reason for the murder, the custody problem, right? And uh, you won't see the twins because it's all fuzzed out. That's how the police gave us the uh, body cam. But here you go. Here's how it all went down. Take a look. Police!
2: <laughs>
4: so can you at least bring the kids out to
5: me? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk to these officers inside, okay? To I'm, I'm here,
4: Shanna. I'm outside. Oh, they're going to call you. Oh, yeah, probably. Good, Good on, on
3: you. Do you want me to go get her the cheese? I'll get the cheese in a
4: I so okay you I yeah. oh, sorry. Sorry. you go. you I you I you go. you You have orders on your, on the Instagram that is managing for you, you have orders to so just can uh, Grandma help you get into, where are your jeans, Mom? I know it's the jeans. uh, it was on the box, the app, right? my so app. Do want her
5: to take uh, the free communication to the with else? Where is that? Have yeah, they'll let her take what she has, and then they'll order more if they have to, yeah. Do you want to get
4: all my medications <clears throat> in my bathroom, on my counter, and in the drawer under the right seat?
5: All right, well, you're going to step out for me?
4: Yeah.
5: We're going to go through these doors over here. Okay. And then there's going to be a hallway to your left there. I'll have you take a left there for me. And we'll go down to this last door here on the left. You stand there for me, it's down, it's... and I'll have you take a seat over here, and what I'll do, actually if you want to face the wall for me, are those cuffs putting any strain on your shoulders or anything? i um, alright,
4: but it's okay.
5: okay. Well, I'll get you down to jail um, as soon as possible, and then we'll get you out of these cuffs. Um. Probably in about 10-15 minutes. Okay. Ten minutes with yeah. the
6: instructions,
5: bus construction, so bad. Do you want me to grab this and put it in the no, we'll no, no, we'll get it for you. That's alright. Um, do you want any more water before we go? Um sure. You want a little bit left? Yeah. Good. So I'll uh, I'm going to put your seatbelt on. I'll get you down there. It's hot. so hot. My vehicle can't keep up.
4: That's it. Hotter for you guys wearing all the stuff you guys have
0: to do. All right. So listen, Shanna Gardner-Fernandez is facing a murder conspiracy and uh, Florida officials want her extradited and say that she could face the death penalty. Serious stuff. Larry Levine is a former federal inmate, and he's also founder and director of Wall Street Prison Consultants. Larry, I wanted to ask you about that arrest. It was the most bizarre arrest I've seen. Usually, I would think uh, a murder arrest uh, doesn't go quite as um, politely. But what does that say to you, the demeanor of the police and of Shanna that you just saw?
2: Well, if that had been anyone else, they'd be banging on the door at 5 a.m. shouting obscenities. And if the door wasn't open in about five seconds... They would have kicked it in. It's kind of surreal that everybody was polite. She was polite. They were polite. The mother was polite. Nobody had any anxiety. I bet you someone, she knew this was coming. I mean, the investigators had already talked to her. Maybe they alerted her lawyer. She wasn't going to flee. She's too recognizable. So it was kind of like a seamless thing. And what's really surprising is the kids know their father is dead. They know their mother is under suspicion of killing him. they're like, okay, well, let's get your genes. It's like everybody was on like Valium or something. Nobody, there was no anxiety at all. That's extremely strange. And, you know, the police department, West Richland, they only have 16 officers. So it's a really, really small department. It surprised me at first, why would the ATF be there? Well, there was a firearm that was used in commission of the crime. It obviously she was in Florida when it was committed because he dropped the kids off to her. She fled out of state to Washington. So interstate flight to avoid prosecution. The feds technically could pick this up if they wanted to.
0: Well I'll tell you what, Larry, I am looking forward to hearing uh, more about uh, what they have on her and um, Well they, you it's know, a trifecta they Ashley out those They've, after got day, some...
2: They've got murder, conspiracy yep. for murder, and solicitation for murder. That's like a trifecta. Life yes. is she knows it, it's over. But I, They're can't wait. Stick
0: in place, I can't wait to find not hear not hear sunlight in. Whether it's whether it's emails or what it is that they, they have connected it to her. Uh, Larry, I gotta cut it there, but thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this. Sure thing, hon. All right, so coming up, something is fishy in Colorado, and I do not mean the great fly fishing in the summer in Colorado. No, like pretty girls are disappearing in, like, the most beautiful touristy spots, too. Flyers are going up, and it's just kind of weird. Look at these two. They kind of look alike as well. That was something else I sort of wondered. I'm going to tell you what's been happening in the last few weeks and also why families are fanning out to the hiking trails and the crystal blue streams looking Their loved ones. That's nice. So I think the best thing about Colorado is that it is a spectacular summer vacation place. And then also the best thing about Colorado is that it is a spectacular winter vacation place, which is probably why people like Svetlana Ustimenko and Melissa Witsit came to Colorado, specifically the winter park area. Uh, Svetlana came for the great outdoors and the beautiful mountains. And Melissa came for a job at the Winter Park uh, Ski Resort. And both of those women went missing within weeks of each other, which is odd. So let me tell you about uh, Melissa. Uh, She didn't show up for work at Winter Park, the ski resort. And an unknown male uh, used her phone and made several calls from the Denver area before turning the phone off. And Melissa's debit card has not been used. And on the same day that Melissa was last seen... Police are announcing that Svetlana has gone missing. And her car, her rental car, was found at a trailhead um, way before it was due to return. But strangely, the police say it is not related, which is why I want to bring in Scott Vaughn. He's a criminologist. He's a sociology professor. He hosts the podcast The Killing Hour with uh, Scott Vaughn. Okay, so Scott, why would they say it's unrelated? They look a lot alike to me. They disappear within... Uh, days of each other. Um, And it's this beautiful sort of summer winter resort area.
6: Well, first of all, thank you for having me again, as always. And um, I, you know, we have to recognize that right now what we have is two missing women. And they apparently have no connection. They, uh, there's no indication of foul play. Uh, Nothing has been stated by
0: Sorry, Sorry, there was some audio interference. Go ahead.
6: Oh, OK, um, so uh, two missing women, apparently unrelated and no indication of foul play. So the police are simply saying at this point uh, we have no evidence, physical or otherwise, that there there is any foul play. And and of course, you know, although my forte is understanding murder, I'm I want to be the first to say that I hope that these women are returned safely to their families as, as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, there's just you know at this point, I mean, I think law enforcement is is being uh um, is being honest, and they're simply saying uh, we have no evidence to indicate uh, any any sort of foul play or, or crime here. It's it is possible that um, these these women uh, went missing of their own uh, volition. Um, the one that that really makes me most skeptical, though, is Svetlana, because I heard that she had actually been recently diagnosed as terminally ill. And what are the odds of a woman who was diagnosed as terminally ill? then being abducted, I mean, talk about some terrible odds, you know, right there. Um, so if there's one that could possibly be an indication that she might, you know, be um, I don't want I hate to say suicide, but but, you know, maybe um, uh, there was, you know, some self-harm there or or that she might have been involved in her own disappearance. I would say she's the one that's most likely the one that is much more um, uh, skeptical that, that there could be an abduction, of course, is uh, Melissa, particularly with some um, an unknown male using her uh, her cell phone.
0: Yeah, that was dis- distressing. Um, did I get your podcast wrong? Is it called the, the Killing Hour with Doc Bond, not Scott Bond? Is it, it's Doc it, Bond, is isn't it? it?
6: That's correct. It's the Killing Hour with, with uh, Doc Bond, but uh, that's that's okay. I appreciate okay, it.
0: Okay, well, i got to give you the cred where it's due. Thank you, Doc Bond. sure appreciate it.
6: Good to see you, Ashley.
0: You too, Scott. All right, coming up after the break, uh, when the rich get richer and choose murder to do so, that's a good headline, but it's also a good headline to say, um, don't shoot anything while you're on safari, especially your wife. Find out why a very wealthy dentist is in a whole lot of trouble, and so is his girlfriend. That's next.
3: Hello, I'm Scott Strauss. On 9-11, I was a New York City police officer assigned to finding survivors buried under the rubble of the World Trade Center. Those were difficult days, but what kept me going was seeing the way Americans joined together in unity. It didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican or anything else. For 9-11 this year, now a national day of service, let's rekindle that spirit of unity by doing good deeds. Visit 911day.org to learn more.
6: Pass it on! Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking, I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So tonight the two of us are doing lipstick art on paper. Forgiveness is in you. Pass it on from PassitOn.com. I thought it was a rash, but my doctor said it was a tick bite. Ticks can spread Lyme disease and other illnesses, leading to chronic health issues.
5: My brother was always having asthma flare-ups. A roach problem at home was causing it.
6: Allergens left behind by roaches and rodents are a major driver of asthma attacks.
2: When I had a fever and body aches, I never thought it was West Nile virus.
6: Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can spread serious diseases. Get the facts at PestWorld.org. A public service message brought to you by the National Pest Management Association. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind
1: As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov I'll
4: be by your side Dear Hero, whoever you are, you save lives. I live with sickle cell and the pain and the issues that come along with sickle cell every day. I'm most grateful that people are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. Learn more at hhs.gov slash Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
0: Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, delivering fact based, unbiased news from all sides. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician.
5: Babes, what are you doing? What? I'm just mowing the lawn. No, it's blazing hot and dry out here. Don't you remember? Smokey Bear says...
3: Avoid using power equipment when it's windy or dry. Where'd you learn this?
6: Oh, it's on
3: SmokeyBear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips. Right! Thanks, honey bear. Because remember, only you can prevent
6: wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
4: A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve
0: can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: When you shoot your wife dead on safari and suggest it's an accident, but you used a 12-gauge, you get life in prison. That's usually how it should go, and that's how it did go for Dr. Larry Rudolph, wealthy dentist. Did it for the money, honey. Did it for $5 million in insurance so that he could live a lavish life with his girlfriend. And guess what? Uh, She was also sentenced to 17 years. So that happened. Thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, See you tomorrow night. Cuomo's next.
1: Welcome to a special edition of On Balance. For those of you just joining us, we've been following President Donald Trump's surrender